0: book one chapter fifteen of a daughter of the vine by gertrude Horn atherton this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by lynn thompson book one chapter fifteen thorpe determined not to go to the house again until either nina or mr randolph sent for him he would not run after any woman he told himself angrily and once or twice he was in a humor to snap the affair in two where it was and leave the country But on the whole the separation whetted his passion That airy fabric of sentiment imagination and civilization called spiritual affinity Occasionally dominated him but not for long his last experience of her had gone to his head It was rarely that of all the Nina Randolph's he knew He could conjure any but the one that had danced his promise out of memory There were times when he hated himself and hated her Then he told himself that this phase was inevitable and that later on when the better part of their natures were free to assert themselves They would find each other a Week after his interview with mr. Randolph he found himself in South Park a little after eleven at night He had dined at rincon hill and purpose-spending the night at the oriental hotel he rarely returned to the presidio after an evening's entertainment he had avoided the other men and started to walk into town almost mechanically he turned into south park and halted before the tall silent house which seemed such a contemptible barrier between himself and the woman he wanted his eyes traveling downward noted that a basement window had been carelessly left open he could enter the house without let and the opportunity availed him nothing he wished that he were a savage with the traditions and conventions of a savage and that the woman he loved dwelt in a tent on the plain lights glimmered here and there in the houses of south park but the randolphs was blank everybody apparently was at rest to stand there and gaze at her window was bootless and he cursed himself for a sentimental ass he walked up the semicircle and returned this time he moved suddenly forward lifting his head it seemed to him that a sound an odd sound came from the bedroom above the parlour a room he knew to be mrs randolph's at first the sound owing to the superior masonry of the walls was muffled but gradually thorpe's hearing naturally acute and abnormally sensitive at the moment distinguished the oral evidence of a scuffle then the half stifled notes of angry and excited voices he listened a moment longer the sounds increased in volume there was a sudden sharp note quickly hushed thorpe hesitated no longer if the house of a man whose guest he had been were invaded by thieves and perhaps murderers it was clearly his duty to render assistance apart from more personal reasons he took out his pistol cocked it then vaulted through the window and groping his way to a door opened it and found himself in the kitchen entry a taper burned in a cup of oil and guided by the feeble light he ran rapidly up the stair he opened the door at the head paused a moment and listened intently the house teemed with muffled sounds But they fell from above and through closed doors and from one room Suddenly the hand that held the pistol fell to his side The color dropped from his face and he drew back Was he close upon the Randolph skeleton? Had he not better steal out as he had come Refusing to consider what the strange sounds proceeding from the room of that strange woman might mean There were no signs of burglars anywhere a taper burned in this hall likewise and on the table beside it was a gold card receiver there had been a heavy rainfall during the evening but there was no trace of muddy boots on the red velvet carpet then as he hesitated there ran out a shriek so loud so piercing so furious that thorpe animated only by the instinct to give help where help was wanted dashed down the hall and up the stair three steps at a time before he reached the top there was another shriek this time abrupt as if cut short by a man's hand he reached mrs randolph's room and flung open the door but he did not cross the threshold the room flared with light the bedding was torn into strips and scattered about every fragile thing the room contained was in ruins and littered the carpet and in their midst held down by mr randolph and his servant cochrane was a struggling gurgling biting thing which thorpe guessed rather than knew was the mother of nina randolph her weak evil face was swollen and purple its brutality so decently cloaked in normal conditions bulging from every muscle her ragged hair hung in scant locks about her protruding eyes over her mouth was the broad hand of the man cochrane mrs reinhardt her face flushed and her dress in disorder stood by the mantel, crying and wringing her hands thorpe's brain received the picture in one enduring flash he was dimly conscious of a cry from unseen lips and the vanishing train of a woman's gown and then mr randolph looked up he relaxed his hold and got to his feet his face was ghastly and covered with great globes of sweat thorpe he gasped you oh go go thorpe closed the door his fascinated gaze returning for a second time to the thing on the floor it no longer struggled it had become suddenly quiet and was laughing and muttering to itself he left the house and walked out of the park and city and toward the presidio It was a long walk over sand-drifts and rocks, and through thickets whose paths he had forgotten. The cold stars gave little light, for the wind drove a rack aslant them. And when the colder dawn came, greying everything, the flowers that looked so brilliant in the sunlight, the heavy, drooping trees, the sky above, he found himself climbing a high sand-hill, with no apparent purpose but to get to the top. A cut about its base would have shortened the journey He reached the summit and saw the gray swinging ocean the brown forts in their last sleep He sat down and traced figures on the sand with his stick Chaos had been in him, but the tide had fallen and his thoughts were shaping themselves coherently Nina Randolph was the daughter of a madwoman and the seeds were in her her strange moods her tragic despair her hints of an approaching fate her attitude to himself were legible at last and miss hathaway knew and had tried to warn him doubtless others knew but the secret had been well kept he was filled with bitterness and dull disgust and his heart and brain were leaden the mad are loathsome things and the vision of Nina, foaming and hideous and shrieking, rose again and again. That passed, but he saw her without illusion, without idealization. She had been the one woman whose faults were enchanting, whose genuine temperament would have atoned for as many more. She seemed now a very ordinary, bright, moody, erratic seductive young person who was making the most of life before she disappeared into a padded cell he wondered why he had not preferred miss hathaway or mrs earle or miss macdermot he had not and concluded that her first influence had been her only one and that his imagination had done the rest the sunrise gun boomed from the presidio the colours of dawn were on horizon and water He rose and walked rapidly over the hills and levels, and when he reached his room, he went to bed and slept. End of book 1, chapter 15